Welcome to Valley Heat. I'm Doug Duguay. This is a podcast about the neighborhood. My neighborhood, the Burbank Rancho Equestrian District, right here in Los Angeles County. Brought to you today by R51. Jan Robinson is lobbying the people who make movie ratings. I don't, what are they called? The people that make the movie? I'll look it up. Okay, the movie, the motion picture, it doesn't matter. She's lobbying the people who make movie ratings because she wants a new rating. It's called R51. It's R-rated for people that are 51 and up. It's like R-rated, but it's just a little bit less R. It's none of the bad language, none of the naked stuff, but all the violence you want. She's saying that there's a rating system for teenagers and there's a rating system for kids, but why not a rating system for 51 and up when you're old enough to know what you're really willing to deal with? Because it's kind of like PG-13, but it's you can actually kill someone on camera is really the only specific difference, I think. There's almost no restriction on violence. Well, no, because in PG-13, you can use some strong language, but not in R-51. Okay, she's got all these written down here. You could strangle someone on camera. There any kind of bullet wound, bombs, poison, choking, drowning, suffocation, anxiety. Anxiety? How are you going to... How's anxiety violent? I guess if you're freaking out and... I don't know. Okay, so in death by psychological distress. So I guess that's like anxiety. Overdose, hanging, any form of execution. Why are we listing every type of violence that's a, just say it's all allowed? Oh, wait. Okay, here. Jan says there are, there's a couple ways you can't kill someone in an R-51 movie. You can't duct tape someone's mouth or put a sock in someone's mouth because she says it's upsetting and she can't breathe when she's watching it. And that's not, that's even if you're not trying to kill them. You just can't do that in an R-51 for any reason. You can't break a bottle over someone's head or a vase, or anything of any kind. You can't break something over someone's head. Okay. But you can kill them by almost any other means? Why? Sick of it. Okay, she just said, it says sick of it next to that. So I guess she's just sick of that. And I'm assuming she's polled people in her age range. It's not just her. This is what they're asking for. And then there's another big one here. You can't do it. You can't put a plastic bag over their head. And she says you can't do that because it wouldn't work. She says she sees people put plastic bags over people's heads in movies, but it would be really easy to, you know, like a dry cleaner bag or something. But she says it really wouldn't work because you could just bite right through the bag. So really her complaint there is about the realism of it. But listen to this. Jan went to one of these big fancy meetings with the motion picture ratings people, and she had someone try to strangle her with a plastic bag and bit right through it just to prove that it doesn't work. This is in front of like 250 people in the auditorium at the Directors Guild. You talk about a standing ovation. Just a roar of, I guess just relief really, from this crowd. But that's the kind of passion that Jan has when she believes in something and she believes in R51. If you want more details about it, go to r51.fun and check it out. Let's make a sweeter world with R51 I'll take the blood but I don't need the other stuff no more. No more. Okay, what? What are you talking about? Okay, some people said the songs were too long, and now Randy's doing instrumentals. I mean, it started nice, 
Then it turned into like a soundtrack to some 90s drama. Listen to this. Oh, look, Party of Fives on Hulu now. Okay, let's start this episode of Valley Heat. These are the chronicles of the Rancho Equestria District in Burbank, California. These are the events taking place in my house, around my house, and in my neighborhood. Still having some issues with Dean Frenari, my son's optometrist, and I'm going to talk about that. I'm also going to talk about other stuff. Don't really have to cover it in this part of the show. Mostly just talking to fill in the space and give you a flavor of what's going to be. Sometimes I have more things to say than other times. Okay, so the first thing I wanted to talk about. Okay, well, you heard that. So that's the parrot has come back. That's Candace's brother's parrot, Green Banana. He returned after having flown away. The only thing he says is Michael Douglas. Still, which uh, that hasn't changed, but he will something happen to him. He's got what's called they're called feather mites. They're just temporary, but they're on. They got to his head kind of. So there's not a lot of feathers on his head right now. He's not in any kind of pain. He's fine. Well, you can hear him. There's a lotion that the vet gave me. It's very sticky and it's not his body. It's just neck up pretty much. I mean, it's just that there's no feathers on his head, really. The thing is that when you put the lotion on him, it just looks like he has shaving cream on his face. He just looks like an old man muttering about Michael Douglas on his way to the bathroom to shave. But I have more about that later and a big development in the drug drop case with Pete. And before I talk about that, I wanted to let you know that Pete and Candace have finally left. I've been waiting for this for months. It's been these guys. I don't know if I've made it clear how much time Candace spent in the shower, but it was a lot of time. I honestly don't even know how it's healthy that you would be in the water that much. But it was a weird roommate situation that I didn't volunteer for. And it came to an end because Cody, Candace's brother, is out of the hospital after getting bit by Phil's fish. And they were staying here because it's close to the hospital. But now that Cody's out, they're gone. And I wanted you to know what happened when they left. So, and I recorded it. So here it is. Okay. So this is awkward. What's awkward? What? You haven't mentioned it. So I guess I have to. Candace, what are you talking about? Mention what? Go ahead and tell the money. What money? For the pool we've been taking care of. Yep. You told me explicitly that you'd take care of the pool so we were here. That was before my brother was bitten by a fish. I had to stay here just so I could be close to the hospital. I don't know how you possibly think I would pay you after you stayed here for three months. Are you months. kidding me? Yeah, I knew it. How would I have not have known that you I told you he'd do this. I, I, mean, I don't even know what to say. Are you trying to get away with not paying us I'm for not work? trying to get away with something. I just, how much do you think I owe you? $3,000. What? Three grand. Oh, what? Three months of extra pool care. Extra pool care? What do you mean extra? That's with a discount. It's nowhere near the value of the work we did, Doug. I don't have $3,000 to give you. I just don't have Are it. Are you kidding me, Doug? I've seen your cupboards. I've eaten your food. All right. You know what? Fine. We're going to take something. What? Yeah. We're going to take something. We're, we're going to take the thing. Whatever this stupid My air filter? Whatever this stupid thing is, okay, we're taking so you're it. you're not... Taking the air purifier. That's what this is. I don't care what it is. We're taking it. Remember when you got me arrested? You remember yeah, that? I do, and I'm sorry. This thing is heavy. We're taking it. You're not leaving with an appliance from my house. What do I have to do? Call the police? He's going to call the cops. Call the police, Doug. Can't wait to see what you have to say. Please Doug. call the cops. Well, these people, they clean my pool every day for three months. Okay. Arrest them. Oh, and by the way, my fish bit her brother and almost killed him. I did. It's been real. All right, so you heard that. 
They took the air purifier. I mean, really, they actually stole it. It was this $3,500 air purifier. So really, they made money on it. Well, I guess it's, it's used. So, I mean, honestly, it was a pretty accurate theft, if you think about it. I didn't buy it. Faye bought it. And when she gets back here, she's going to ask, where's the thing? So I have to buy a new one or get that one back. And they called my bluff on the cops. I wasn't going to call the cops. I mean, I didn't realize I wasn't going to call them until they said, oh, go ahead and call them. And then I thought, oh, yeah, I guess that's what are, what are the cops going to do. And, you know, calling me on that bluff was not the greatest feeling. It really brought up some old memories for me. You ever have that when you someone calls your bluff, you didn't even realize you weren't going to do it? Like when I was a kid, I pulled a switchblade on someone and he just grabbed it out of my hands and threw it in the woods. And I remember just watching it sail into the trees and thinking, yeah, that's exactly what should be happening. You're going to cut someone with a switchblade? West Side Story style? What are you in the Jets? The most cinematic thing I could have done. You pull a switchblade on someone in real life, you better be ready to start dancing and singing. You better do a cartwheel and start wiggling your hips. The problem is I grew up with all these kids. They all had weapons, all kinds of weapons. And I always wondered, are their parents buying them all this stuff? Because I had to save 30 bucks and find a weird guy that would sell it to me. I mean, a kid can't buy a switchblade at the store. Maybe now he can, but back then you had to buy it from your friend's older brother who's repainting a Mustang in his underwear. And you had to stand there. Maybe he'd make you listen to him play bass before he finally opened up the drawer full of switchblades and throwing stars. Anything that required a performance before the weapon was produced, like nunchucks or like a butterfly knife. Remember butterfly knives where you had to do like a little puppet show with a knife before the blade came out? I had one friend, he had a mace, like a medieval weapon. He's got a club for a handle, a chain, and then a giant spiked ball that he swung around. I mean, where do you buy that? From an orc? Not the best group of friends I was hanging out with, but you don't get to choose the kids on your block. Really, they weren't my friends as much as they were kids who sometimes didn't beat me up. That was sort of what most of my friends were. Kids who were good at the aggressive games, like Missile Command and Defender. If you were good at either of those games, you'd probably punch me in the face once or twice. I guess the point is that brought up a lot for me, and Pete kind of reminds me of some of those guys, which I thought I was getting along with them, and we were getting along, but apparently not. I did the same thing when I was a kid. I thought I'd be friends with someone, they'd sleep over, I'd wake up, my guitar would be in the toilet, or they'd steal a bunch of my jeans. One time this kid, Mike McCullough, he stole all my shoes. I woke up and he'd stolen every single pair of my shoes and my Atari 2600, which in 1981, that was like kidnapping your father or something. But like I said, I want to tell you more about some developments in the drug drop case, and I also had some stuff I want to talk over about Donovan, which I'll do right after this promotion. You know, if you've been to Rick Merrill's Tall and Long, then you know he's got the longest handlebars you could possibly buy anywhere. We're talking handlebars that are so tall, some of these, he's calling them standing bars. You got to stand on the motorcycle just to hold on to them. And even when you're standing on them, you got to reach over your head. So these are like nine and a half feet tall. But you want to be careful with these things. You don't want to get handlebars that are too tall. Some of these guys get cooking so fast on the highway that they'll, their feet will lift right off the seat. I mean, you're sailing down the highway at 80 miles per hour and your feet lift off the seat. How are you going to steer? I mean, it's dangerous, but some of these guys, that's how they like to ride, like Superman. And they steer by shifting their weight in midair, but that's for the big guns. You don't want to do that right off the bat. So you want to get handlebars that are the right size. And here's what I'm really getting to. You want to exercise your arms in a way that'll get you used to holding tall handlebars. And that's why Rick's wife, Beatrice Merrill, created the tall boy. What is it? It's a tall handlebar exercise bike. There's really no better way to get your arms conditioned and ready for tall handlebar riding. Here's how it works. It's just like a normal exercise bike, 
but the handlebars are really tall. Well, they start out kind of tall, and then every week you raise them by an inch. And you can also use this exercise bike to practice turning the really small wheel that Rick will put out in front of your motorcycle. You know, one of the things tall and long guys like is they like that really tiny wheel way out in front of the motorcycle. Well, here's the thing you got to know. A regular size motorcycle wheel, when you turn it, you turn gradually. But you get a tiny wheel way out in front of that bike and you turn those tall bars too fast, you'll go from the passing lane through a shop window real fast. I've seen some of these tall and long bikes fly through an outdoor cafe, just barely missing tables right through that plate glass window in front. I mean, it happens all the time, and they've almost closed down Rick Merrill's tall and long shop a couple times. The city is kind of fed up. Because Rick will make that front wheel as small as you want it to be. Typically, in the extreme, people will go as small as 8 inches in front. But I've seen Rick put wheels at the end of a motorcycle that are as small as a skateboard wheel. I mean, you'll see one of these bikes driving down the road, and you think, does that thing even have a wheel out in front of it? People talk about turning on a dime. This is turning on an actual right angle. You're going straight to sideways immediately. And it takes practice to handle that kind of thing. So that's why Beatrice created this exercise bike. She's driven through a window or two herself, but she can handle it because she's a stunt rider. She and Rick are both stunt riders in the movies. They've done all kinds of movies. They were in Biker Biker 59er, Big Bikes in a Small World, Bob and Betty, Big Blacktop Bikes. That's a tough name to say. They were in this movie series. It was meant to be a franchise, Bob and Betty. They were bikers. And it was back when Every Which Way But Loose, Smokey and the Bandit. Hooper, all that stuff, all that racing around on the road stuff was huge. But now they mod out bikes and man, they do a great job. So you got to check it out. Rick Merrill's Tall and Log Shop. Ask about Beatrice's Tall Boy. And that's Cephalopodger People with Superman, which they wrote for Rick Merrill's Tall and Long. But if you want to hear all of that song and all of their music, you can go to their house. But you can hear more of the music and more Valley Heat shows if you go to the Valley Heat Patreon. Or the best thing, don't go to the Patreon because that's free. All right, so like I said, there's a big breakthrough in the Pete Drug Drop case. And I'm going to tell you all about that. But before I get to that, I wanted to ask you a question, and it has to do with Donovan, my wife's yoga instructor. Do you think it's okay to just teach someone's son how to shave? I was talking to my son, Phil, yesterday, and he said, oh, I cut myself shaving. And I haven't seen him in a while because he's staying up at my father-in-law Chuck's house right now. And I said, oh, I didn't know you were shaving. He said, oh, yeah, Donovan showed me how. So he just taught my son how to shave? I mean, where do you even start on that? Isn't that a parent thing to do? And ever since my wife and my son went up to the, my father-in-law Chuck's house, Donovan's been up there too doing house call yoga sessions. And now I guess he's teaching my son fatherly stuff. I mean, at what point do we start saying there's an issue with this guy? I mean, he was sending my wife mermaid emojis, which everyone said, oh, that's not an issue. And then, I mean, here's where I would have stopped at just the bicycle pants. He would show up over here in these tight spandex bike shorts. It's just kind of a stealthy way to get naked, which and I'm not trying to say getting naked's wrong. I'm just saying, let's call it that and not we're hanging out in the kitchen at a party. Okay, you're a naked man. And that's fine. Let's just say you're naked. Let's not say, oh, I'm being athletic. I'm just riding down the street or I'm just 
hanging out at the park doing jumping jacks. I guess I never understood that, why people who are trying to get exercise on a bike need to do it with as little wind resistance as possible. What are you, like a German-engineered car? You're just going for a ride on a Sunday. Anyway, the point is, my wife's yoga instructor showed my son how to shave. So I gave him a call to talk to him about it. He's still, I had to call him up at Chuck's house, by the way. He's still staying in the guest house up there with his wife. And I recorded the conversation, and anyway, here's what happened. This is Donovan. Hey, Donovan. It's Doug Duguay. How you doing? How are you? Well, I'm uh, I'm I'm pretty good. I actually I wanted to talk to you about something. I have come to expect that sentence from you. Doug. Okay. Well, I won micro golf the other day. I actually I heard you know, that. I've never played before, and man, what a fun game! You know, I wanted to ask you a specific question. Um, so, did you teach Phil how to shave? What? Did I teach? Phil had a shave. Yeah, that's what I'm asking. I mean, I, I handed him a razor, yeah. Why? If he wouldn't have done it, I would have done it. Is that Chuck talking? Give, give me the phone. He had to help. Chuck, I'm just trying to say that's my job. That's something I should have well, done. maybe next time he helps him shave, we could zoom you in. Chuck, can you put Donovan back I'm on? I'm done. Here's Donovan. You know, it actually all makes sense that he hadn't shaved before because he definitely had one of those mustaches where you can tell. Give me the phone. Did you see your child's face before this shave? Oh, no, actually, I didn't. He's been up there for like five weeks, so I hadn't seen him. It is a meager display. It is choppy. He looks like a dodgy uncle. Donovan wants to say something. I mean, Doug, the kid's wearing transition lenses. Did you put him in those? I didn't put him in those glasses. That was actually, his optometrist gave those to him, and he's supposed to exchange them. Stop blaming your optometrist. You are responsible for these glasses. Chuck, I didn't put them in the glasses. I've been trying to replace them for he months. Looks like a bookie smoking on a corner. All he's missing is the Marlboro 100 hanging out of his mouth. Okay. Here's Donovan. You know, Doug, you put those glasses on him with that mustache. He looks like one of those kids who's been in a high school shop class for seven years. Okay, I know that the glasses need to be replaced. For a second, I didn't even recognize them. Mm -hmm. It's like his glasses get darker when he's inside. It's you strange. Give me the phone. They calibrate backwards. He walks inside, they go dark. He goes outside, they go light. I know. I, I'm aware of that. And I'm, that's why I'm trying to get him if replaced. If I posted a picture of your son with that half stash, with his transition lenses that you've hoisted upon him, I could crowdfund a divorce in 45 minutes. I guarantee you. Well, I'm not getting divorced, Chuck. You talk about a GoFundMe going off the charts. I mean, they'd write about this in Newsweek. Uh -huh. You know, after I crowdfund the divorce, I'm going to crowdfund the parade. Here's Donovan. You know, at the end of the day, Doug, I'm just looking out for the best interests for Phil, for you, for Fetty, for everybody, and also for myself. But that mustache had to go. Oh, give me the phone. New dad in town. Name's Donovan. I was trying to do him a favor. And once he gets those glasses off, he's actually going to look like a normal 16-year-old. Yeah, and we're halfway there. So you're welcome. Okay. Obviously, I would have helped him shave if he was here does it mean anything to you that your wife and son are not living in your house okay i'll take that remark but it's not that they aren't living here it's that they just aren't here right you, you weren't here to do your fatherly job chuck you? i got electrocuted by your fence trying to get okay, in there i gotta go but the next time i help your son make a positive life change i'll make sure to ask your permission first don't, okay don't worry about anything donovan's doing all the fathering over here okay chaperoning phil on a date tomorrow night chuck i'm still phil's it's dad. all under control over here at dad central okay worry not 
Okay, so you heard that. And I didn't even know that he still had the glasses. But apparently he's still in a pair of these transition lenses that Dean sold him. His optometrist, Dean Fernari, had, I don't know if you remember, he had upsold him to transition lenses from regular lenses. He said because Phil had a freckle on his eye. Which, okay, he's got a freckle or there's some sun damage. Just wear a pair of sunglasses. You don't put a 16-year-old kid in transition lenses. I mean, it's like talking him into a face tattoo or something. Part of me hopes he's not getting attached to the glasses. It's a tough call because as a dad, you don't want to force a kid to take your advice or make them feel like they're not making good choices. But where do you draw the line? Like when I was a kid, I bought these glittery cowboy boots and my dad goes, hey, can I see those? And then he just ran them through a table saw. We also had a thing in our house where we would make hot fudge sundaes on the weekend and he would never let me put more than one cherry on the sundae. We had this giant jar full of maraschino cherries in the fridge. He said they wouldn't put more than one cherry on your Sunday at the ice cream shop. And I said, yeah, we're not at the ice cream shop. We're at home having fun. And he goes, oh, well, I guess there's no rules. And he just drank the whole jar of maraschino cherries. And it took him like two and a half, three minutes to finish it. So my family's just watching him do it in silence. I don't think we even made hot fudge sundaes again after that day. And I guess my point is I don't want to be like that. But I also want to help him make good choices. So really, I just wanted to know what happened. So I gave him a call and I recorded that conversation. And I'll play it for you right after this promotion. I don't know if you're familiar with high-speed roller skating, but it's getting really big. And Paradise on Wheels, owned by Jim Yerbo on Magnolia, is the only place to get high-speed roller skates in Burbank. And they might not be cheap, but man, these things are fast. They'll move on any kind of terrain, rock, dirt, mountain. I've seen guys get booked fast enough that they can skim right across a river or a small lake. And listen to this. These skates have little knobby tires on them, like four-wheelers. It's almost like you got little four-wheelers on your feet. And I'm telling you, you can fly down a mountain. They call it whiz in the mountain. They go, I'm going to go whiz that mountain. And they whiz it fast. I mean, just a blur with a cloud of dust flying behind them. And then something that's getting really big in Burbank, it's just called freeway roller skating. And it's just what it sounds like. It's roller skating on the freeway. It's completely illegal. But they're out there just going as fast as they can, weaving in between cars. And they're having fun out there, too. They're dancing, going under each other's legs. I saw a guy playing bass once at 65 miles per hour. This guy's doing a bass solo. What they do is they get in a, usually like a minivan. You'll be looking at the carpool lane, and the side door opens. It's like someone just kicked a wasp's nest. These guys pour out of the van so fast. And the skaters can maintain that speed for a while because they've got this move they do. You know how when you see swimmers, professional swimmers, they do that sort of dolphin move to keep their momentum going? Well, skaters have a similar thing that they do when they pour out of this minivan to keep their momentum going. It's almost like a shimmy. They jump out of the van and pretty soon their whole body starts vibrating back and forth. The first time you see it, you don't even think it's real. You think there's no way a person could be vibrating that fast. It's similar to when they put a can of paint in one of those shakers to mix it up at Home Depot. And the thing's shaking so fast you can't even see the can. That's what these guys' bodies look like. Like they're about to transport to another dimension. You know, you're driving down the 134. At first, you don't even know what you're looking at. It's like, is that a man vibrating in the fast lane? And the Burbank police will be out there trying to catch these guys. They can't catch them because they got these off-road wheels on them. And if they need to make a quick escape, they can just jump off the freeway and shoot down a mountain, you know, shoot, shoot down the mountain. Or, I mean, sometimes there's a mountain on the side of a freeway, you know, those hillsides, they can just shoot right down that. But if you want to have a great time and move faster than you even knew a person could move, stop in and see Jim Yerbo at Paradise on Wheels on Magnolia.
So like I said, I gave my son Phil a call to find out why he still has these transition lenses on that his optometrist upsold him. And anyway, here's the conversation. Uh-huh. Uh, Phil? Uh-huh. Oh, okay. I Sorry, I just didn't know you didn't say hi. Hi. How are you? Well, I was just going to check in and see how you're doing. And I hear that the glasses, actually, you still have those transitions. Did you stop in to Dean's to see if you could replace them? He's supposed to have them in already. <laughs> I'm in turmoil. In turmoil? Why? What, what's going on? I, I went in to get these glasses. I'm sitting in the lobby waiting, right? Okay. And he's playing this terrible jazz. Oh, Dean's lobby music? Yeah, he plays that when he puts you on hold, too. Dean sees me Shazam it, and then he insists on sending me a playlist. Dean sent you a jazz playlist? I'm in the car with my friends, and it comes up on my daily favorites. Wait, so you're saying the glasses still haven't come in? And now I've, I've got these glasses still, and everyone thinks I'm I'm into weird jazz. I, well, can't you just tell your friends what happened and it's explain? It's too late. I'm the jazz guy. Okay, well, that will blow over. It'll... Don't, don't tell me it's going to blow over. No, I know what you're saying. I'm just saying it'll be fine if you just... It's not fine. I'm the jazz guy. You're no, not the, the jazz, jazz guy. guy. You're you not the jazz I guy. You, I'm, I, I can't talk about this anymore. I'll talk I'm to sorry. you later. I'm going to hang up. Love you. All right, so you heard that, and he's obviously devastated. I was trying to make him feel better, but everything he's saying is completely accurate. How many different ways can this guy put transition lenses on my son? It's like he walked in there to get rid of him, and he walked out covered in him. If there's an emotional version of transition lenses, it's Dean's off-brand jazz on your phone. 16-year-old kid, you're going to send him your weird music recommendation? After you got him halfway dressed up as a guy hiding in a tree at the park? I mean, can you give a kid a chance? Here, I'm going to play this for you. So when you call the iShack, Dean Fernari's iShack, and you get put on hold, this is the music he plays. It's also the music that he plays in the waiting room. It's this Swedish avant-garde. It, okay, here we go. The Eric Ashtigen Trio. Ashtigen. It's a Swedish avant-garde trombone guy. Listen to this. Can you imagine playing this in your waiting room? Someone's waiting for their glasses. It sounds like the credits rolling on a nightmare you just had. 
And then you think of Phil cruising around with his friends, and this comes up on his playlist. What are they supposed to think? You know, they look over, and the kid driving looks like he's searching for a place to bury the bodies. Okay, this is the end. You have to hear the end. What? That's how it ends? Listen to this. Almost sounds like he's making fun of trombone. All right, so obviously I have to follow up with Dean about that. And I haven't had a chance to do that yet. But I told you there was a big development in the Pete drug drop case, which there was. And that was very exciting to me because Pete and Candace are gone now with my air purifier. But they're gone. And I thought this was a good chance to get Faye and Phil to come back to the house. Obviously, Phil's very upset right now. He says he doesn't even want to move back to Burbank because everyone keeps calling him the jazz guy and doing air sacs around him. I feel terrible for him, and I'm sure Chuck is going to have something to say about it. But like I said, there was a big development in the case. I don't know if you remember Cody, Candace's brother, the guy with the parrot, green banana, who came in here and stuck his hand in Phil's fish tank. He got bit by a poisonous fish. He's been in the hospital for weeks. He finally got out and has since come back to pick up his parrot, green banana, and his peacock. I mean, this guy. Few people have ever made me as angry. You stick your hand in a poisonous fish tank. I told this guy to leave the fish alone. He couldn't do it. And I'm watching his parrot. Okay, so you hear that. The parrot's still here. Anyway, here's what happened when Cody came to get the parrot. Well, how are you feeling? Not sure if you're happy to see me, but of course I am. Quite an ordeal. I know it was, and I'm glad to see you're okay. Uh, you should know I'm, I'm taking the peacock, but I am not taking the parrot. What? You're not taking the parrot. I'm just not taking him. Cody, of course you're you're taking the bird. Uh, there's obviously been some feather mites. Right, which is a temporary thing. Yeah, I gave sure him you some know. drops for that. He should I be fine now. Took this bird into my house under protest, by the I'm way. I'm not responsible for a pet that you lost. Cody, I brought a parrot into my house for you. Then you lost well, it. Well, I didn't throw it out the window. It flew away. That's just the deal. I, there's got to be a law or something. You can't just make me take your bird. I mean, he's bald. Right. Well, it's not bald. It's just on his head, and it's temporary. What I'll do is I'll stop in here and there once or twice a month or, or something. Stop in? To help. What? I don't need a parrot consultant. Would I need so you to bad take to have a bird. an expert who's going to check on you and help you? Yeah, it would be the worst possible outcome of this bird coming back. What, now i got a guy who comes and lotions a parrot in my living room every once in a while? Doug, I'll see you soon. Wait. Cody. Cody, can you come back and talk? Oh, what is going on? Hold on, hold on. Cody, you're under arrest. Okay, okay. Oh, okay. you are kidding me. Doug, call my lawyer. Me? I'm not calling you a lawyer. Why would I, I call know. you a lawyer? I get what? to ask someone to call Wait, my Wait, but I got his parrot in here. You saying you know it's him? It's what I thought. I was the one who thought Mom, skip back. Can the bird Why go with him? Why can't you give me credit for helping you? What are you talking about? Can you guys stop yeah, for a I'm second? You're 12 miles from home. Is it like an animal guy going to take the bird? Okay, so they're saying it's Cody? I don't see how it could possibly be Cody. The man can barely make it through the day without hurting himself. All I've been thinking about is that poor guy sitting in jail. He's probably already been punched 10 or 20 times. I just can't see how it's him, but I haven't been able to get a hold of Candace. Probably because she thinks I'm trying to get my air purifier back. But she must be pretty upset. And if it really is Cody, I wonder if she knew about it. I do know one thing. I got a parrot here. And I've tried to call the Burbank Police Department repeatedly. I mean, you're trying to tell me there's no system for pets when someone gets arrested? 
But I'm sure I'm going to hear from Candace soon, and I'm sure this is my fault somehow. I wouldn't be surprised if the door opened right now and she just walked straight into my shower. And Pete tosses the baby to me and then cannonballs into the pool. But I'm going to find out everything I can and I'll let you know about it. Here's the thing that gets me more than anything. Why'd they let him come in? I'm in here talking about parrot lotion with, as far as they know, a drug dealer. And they're out there playing stakeout in the bushes. Okay, and this is Chuck. Hi, Chuck. How are you? Do you want to tell me what my grandson is listening to? Okay, Chuck, his optometrist sent him some music that he thought Phil wanted to hear. You know what? If they could just build bars around your house, the world would be safe. Chuck, I blame myself for sending him to Dean. Who is this man? He's an optometrist that Uh causes such a litany of problems. He's Well, obviously, Dean Frenari has not worked out. I don't know how many Swedish avant-garde playlists he sent him, but it's like a virus hit his phone. Okay, I know. He's beside himself. I mean, his friends won't talk to him. I know that. I know. He told me. You're his father. Protect him. I do try to protect him. I thought the new glasses had come in. You better hope that I don't have to kill that optometrist because I will frame you Okay, for it. Chuck, you're not meaning this. Fiberglass with foam Chuck, I'm going to get him new glasses. I'm going to find a new optometrist. Good day. Okay. <clears throat> so obviously he's upset about the glasses. Which, so am I, and I blame myself. I should not have sent him back to Dean. I'm going to call Dean, and I'll let you know what happens in the next episode. I also have to get Faye's air purifier back. This episode was brought to you by R51, Jan Robinson's campaign to create a new ratings rating for movies. And Beatrice Merrill's Tall Boy Bike. Ride them tall, practice them tall, everything tall. And of course, Paradise on Wheels, you only live once, you don't live twice. That's it for this episode of Valley Heat. I'm Doug Duguay. Take it easy.
ഒരുമിച്ചിരുന്നു